today. I am so excited. If you'll stand with me, praise God. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to just pray because I really don't have a scripture to start out with. And then I will go ahead and let you be seated. I'm really excited about this lesson. Lord, we love you, God, and praise you, Jesus, for your presence and your spirit. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch God and to move in this house tonight. Lord, as I open your word, let us draw closer to you. And God, we're going to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? Amen. You may be seated. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The way that you know God is to know his word. And so the more of his word you know, the more of God you're going to know. And so it is very vital for us to have Bible studies and to learn the word of the Lord. I want to talk to you for just a little bit tonight. Um, I'm going to talk to you on the gods of this world. And uh, I'm really excited about this lesson and maybe the next lesson. And then there may be one more. I'm not sure how far this will go. But before I do that tonight, I want to talk to you about um, developing a doctrine. Um, When you develop a doctrine or when you have a doctrine or a thought or a, uh, I can't find a better word other than doctrine, um, developing the doctrine is much like uh, a murder investigation. If a a, uh, detective goes into a murder investigation and he goes in there with some preconceived ideas of who he thinks he it is, he will only look for the, the, the evidence or he will only look for the facts that confirm what he's trying to convict. You understand what I'm saying today? But if he goes in, if, if he goes in, if an investigator uh, goes in and he finds the facts and he lets them facts develop who did it and how they did it, that is the way it should be. And in developing a doctrine, you must get the scriptures first, and then you can develop your thought. Um, A lot of times we go to scriptures, and we go to scriptures looking for the scripture that's going to confirm what we want to believe or what we believe. Um, It's amazing because um, uh, it's just the way we do. We, we, we listen to the preacher, and we listen to the word of the Lord, we listen to the things of God uh, that we agree with, and all the rest of it, we just kind of ignore. And so, I'm going to be talking about the gods of this world, uh, and in doing that, um, I don't want to just uh, uh, find scriptures that confirm the way that I think. Um, I'm going about it in this lesson, it takes me, it's taken me a lot of hours to get what I just got. But I'm going about it to getting what the Bible has to say. Because you can, you can just about find anything. Like, for instance, uh, a person can read Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore into all the world, you know, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And say, well, there you go. You should be baptized in the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Ghost. And that's my proof. But then you have in the book of Acts where they never baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They all did it either in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so uh, you have that that is uh, controversy to Matthew 28, 19. They'll go as far as to say, well, I'd rather do what Jesus said to do than what 
Peter said to do. And so at that point, Jesus said to Peter, he said, upon this rock or upon your words, I'm going to build my church. So it gets very confusing. 2 Timothy 2.15 says that we need to study the word of God. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have to rightly divide God's word. Now, there are a lot of religions out there. There are a lot of doctrines out there. There are a lot of people. There are pre-trib preachers. There are mid-trib preachers or post. It all depends. Uh, There's a tribulation coming, and some thinks that the seven years of tribulation, the rapture's going to come before, the rapture's going to come in the middle, the rapture's going to come in the end. And no matter what their thought is, they've got the scriptures that prove what they're trying to say. And so when you do that, praise the Lord, uh, sometimes you're only looking for the scriptures that prove what you want to say. And, uh, and so you go that way. You have to take the whole word of God, and it all has to fit together like a puzzle. If you have a concept like, go ye therefore into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost... But in the book of Acts, they're baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ or Jesus or the Lord Jesus. Then you have to ask yourself the question, what is the situation here? And so you can't say that it must be in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost because in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is not what was done. This is action. They actually did it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what was the name of the Father? What was the name of the Son? What was the name of the Holy Ghost? So that's how you figure out um, the way that the word should be divided. Um, But people will pick and choose. There's an old joke about a guy that says, Lord, I want to know what you want me to do. And he flipped his Bible open, put his finger down, and read the scripture. Judas went and hung himself. And uh, he's like, whew. Uh, So he shut his book, shut the Bible. And he said, Lord, I'm serious. Uh, Come on now. So he flips the Bible open and he puts his finger down and the Bible says, what thou knowest to do, do quickly. So praise the Lord. And so we have people like that. You have to rightly divide the word of truth. I'm going to talk to you in the next two, three sessions possibly about some things that um, could be, anybody could almost take and, and pretty much make anything that they want to make, to think about. But I'm going to stay pretty close core to the Word of God so that, um, um, that, so that I'm just, I'm just going to stay pretty close to the core of the Word of God. And so, uh, because like I said, you can, you can really make, and in all my years of all my studies of everything that I've done, I mean, I've had them to where and I've been reading a book. It was a really good book. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, and, and you can't use that when you argue with somebody because they'll tell you the word rapture is not in the Bible either, but the concept of the rapture is in the Bible. But the word Trinity is not in the Bible. But I'll be reading a very good book with very good thoughts, and all of a sudden it'll come up with something of three, and then they'll say, there's the proof. That's the Trinity. There was three towns in that city, or there was three streets on that town or something, and that's the, you know, so you, you cannot, when you're trying to, decide a doctrine or a thought or what was you you have to be careful now i will say this there is a lot of things there are things in the bible 
that are so precise. God did not leave them open. The plan of salvation was not left open. Peter stood up. He was as plain as could be. Repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. A holiness was not a question. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. But now when you talk about the rapture, when the rapture's coming, I mean, you can argue that till the day you die. When you talk about some, some things that are in the scriptures, you can argue those things, amen, all you want, because those aren't solid things that's going to cause um, salvation. But when it comes to salvation, the Lord is precise in his scriptures. And it's not something that's open for uh, um, argument or for uh, personal uh, understanding. But I want to talk to you. Um, but this is what I want to ask you tonight. Is it possible that down through all of time in which humanity has lived, is it possible that behind the scenes there has been a spiritual force that has affected the world in their decisions and in their actions? Is it possible, we look in the Bible days, in the Bible days, and we see them with their, with their idols. And behind those idols, is it possible that behind those idols was the fallen angels? And although we don't have fallen angels today, is it possible that there are things in our life that those fallen angels are representing Today to us, things that are God's in our day to our people. Praise God. Amen. Is it possible that over the last 6,000 years that all the idols were influenced by the same fallen spirits? Next week, I'm probably going to talk to you about things that happened in biblical days that are happening today. Even though we're talking about 4,000 years later, or 2,000 years later, at least to Christ's time, we're talking about there is the same things going on. Nobody has lived in this place, in this time period, 2,000 years ago. But it seems like no matter what error there is, there has been similarities in those time periods of things that the people dealt with, that the things that the people did. Praise God. So let's start from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time. At the very beginning of time, the Bible tells us that there were only angels, total angels. They were created by God. Nobody knows when they were created, but they were created. Nobody knows how long they were there, but they were created. They were created by God. They were all good angels, and they all had their position in life. They had their different places. And these, these angels that were created were created to uh, worship and to serve God. That was their role. 
Nehemiah 9 and 6 tells us, Though even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven, and the heaven of heavens, and all their host, and the earth which all the things therein, and the seas, and all that is therein. And thou preparest them all, and the host of heaven worship thee. So, the angels were created to worship the Lord. Now, we know several types of names of angels. There was the seraphim. The seraphim was the angels that praised God. Uh, Isaiah 6 and 3 tells us that. Then there was the cherubim. The cherubim was, uh, were uh, considered to be angels that guarded sacred things. Like when Adam and Eve was spelled out of the garden, the Lord says he put the cherubim at the edge of the garden so that they could not go in and eat of the fruit of, of the knowledge. I'm sorry, the fruit of life. Praise God. It, and they guarded that tree. And then, of course, on the ark, God caused the cherubims to be built, and they covered the ark. Praise the Lord. Then there was the archangel. There were two archangels that we knew about in the Bible. And one of them was Gabriel, who uh, is considered an archangel. He seems to be a messenger, Mark Angel. Uh, someone kind of kidded about that one day. He said that he was a hurry-along angel. He was hurrying Lot out of Sodom. Um, he was hurrying in the New Testament. He was a hurrying angel. And then there was Michael, was known as the archangel. And uh, he was the warrior angel. And uh, he was in Revelations 12 and 7. And he was to do battle. Uh, and then in First Thessalonians 4 and 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So at the rapture, uh, there will be archangels. So they had these angels in heaven, and there was God, there was heaven, there was the angels. And the Bible tells us that uh, some of the angels rebelled against God. Um, they were known as fallen angels, and they fell with Satan. They rebelled. Satan was right up there next to God. He was as close to God as one could get. He had all the power. He was receiving, uh, you know, all the glory should have gone to God, but obviously he allowed the glory to come unto him. And so he, uh, amen, rebelled against God. He did this before uh, the fall of Adam and Eve. Uh, most Christian scholars think that one-third of the angels went out with him. So however many angels there were in heaven, uh, hundreds, thousands, millions, whatever, the Bible says that one-third of the angel, because in Revelations 12, 3, and 4, it says that another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, that great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and the heads were seven diamonds, diamonds, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. So that's when Satan was cast down. One third of the angels went with him. Praise God. The fallen ones uh, was there, were there here to wait their judgment. Uh, Second Peter uh, 2 and 4 says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be uh, reserved unto judgment. And so we see that the fall came. Um, and so one of the greatest scriptures that talks about the fall is uh, in, in Isaiah. <clears throat> in Isaiah 14 and 12. 
Uh, Isaiah says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? Which didst weaken the nations? In other words, they brought sin into the camp. For thou hast said in thine heart. Now, you got to look at how many times he said I. It's it's a nice example of what Satan's situation was. I will ascend to the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down. So when we look at this scripture, we need to understand that what really toppled Satan out of heaven was the fact it was about I. Amen. It was about I. And I know that for me, when I start thinking about I, what I have to do for my wife, what I have to do for my church, what I have to do for my kids, what I have to do for my business, what I have to do for my customers. When I start thinking about I, I start getting really, really irritable. I start getting really agitated. I start really getting depressed. I start really getting upset. So it is about I. When you live in the world, Satan's biggest fall was about I. What about I? What about me? I'm not getting the praise that God should get. I'm not getting the worship that others could get. I'm not. And it was his biggest downfall. And because he got the I syndrome, it said, yet you were brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. You see, he no longer saw God as the thing that needed to be worshipped, praised, and followed. When that happened, he fell from his throne. Now, remember that strain. Because from the time of the beginning of humanity all the way down to today, we're going to watch it in the things that's going on around us. It's about I. It's about what me. You know, it's, it's probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. It's about a mother saying, it's not important about my child's life. It's about what I want to do, and I don't want to be tied down. It's not about my husband or my wife or my mate and how much, praise God, I shouldn't cheat on him or do anything against him. It's about me. Well, I was in love with my lover. And it's, well, what about your family? What about your kids? What about, it's me, it's I. Praise God. McDonald's picked up on it. You deserve a break today, so go out and get on your way into McDonald's. All of the the advertisements out there pick up on that. Praise God. It's about you. What do you want to do? What do you want? It's about you. It's about you. It doesn't matter. If I would go out and get drunk, it's about what I want to do. It's not about how it affects my family. It's not about how it affects my God. We're going to watch that strand. It started out when Satan fell and it was injected in the fall. We're going to talk about that. But he said, you're brought down to hell to the sides of the pit.
And that see they saw uh, narrowly look upon thee. I'm sorry. Yet they shall be brought down to the to hell and the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth tremble? How many people is afraid of Satan? And it's going to be that on that day, we're going to look at him and say, Is this what scared us? Is this what caused so much? Is this what caused a man to kill his wife and his kids and put his two daughters in vats of oil? Is this, and I'm not going to put anything more else in your mind, but you get the point. It's horrible. It's, it's really, really, really crazy. Is this the guy that did that? Praise God. Amen. Jesus tells us in his day, in Luke 10 and 18, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fallen from heaven. So then where's the question? We know that God was in heaven. There was all the angels, a third of the angels. I'm telling you, Satan was so crafty. Think about it. He was so crafty that he was able to convince one-third of the heavenly host to go with him. Praise God. One-third of the heavenly host, he had convinced them to go with him. And we see it today in the amount of people who are willing to listen to what Satan says and go with him, knowing they're going to hell. It wasn't too long ago in a service somewhere where I was praying with the guy. And I just simply told him, I said to him, I said, you know you're lost. Yeah, I know I'm lost. I said, you know you're going to hell. I know I'm going to hell. Okay. I said, if you know, just as long as you know. Now, I don't generally do that, but I knew in the Holy Ghost that I needed to do this. This guy, I took, he was just in a situation. I had to take the gloves off and just say, okay, you, you need, and I knew in the Holy Ghost, you don't generally do that. But this guy is like, I know I'm going to hell, and he doesn't care. Praise God. These angels, amen, one-third of them, Satan was able to convince them to turn against God. He was smart. So when God casted him out, amen, then the question is, where's hell? Where's hell? Well, most believe, some believe that hell is a, a certain portion of, uh, up in the, a place around heaven or whatever. But most believe that hell's in the center of the earth. Uh, I know that when David mentioned, and these, all these things that I'm talking about, I'm not getting really deep in. Because they're just building a, a, um, a, a foundation for me to, to go on. But David uh, mentioned that he, every time he talked about Hades or hell or down, he said down, down. Uh, Psalms 55 and 15 talked about down. The word hell itself means the underworld. So it's talking about the underworld. And in Genesis 1 and 2, it says, And the earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And so when the earth was made, there was depth, it was dark, there was water. And you know the world was covered with water, and it says upon the face of the deep. And of course, the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters in creation, and he began to make uh, the earth and everything else, he began to create them out of the waters. If you go over to the book of Jude, you will find, Jude tells us that the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. Now that word darkness there, praise God, could also mean water. It's the same word that Genesis used it. He used it in the Hebrew, and in in the New Testament, he used it in the Greek. So, according to Jude, it's very possible that that Satan was cast out onto the earth, and that he was cast out into the the water. Um, There are a lot of people that have a lot more scriptures on that. That's where the Bermuda Triangular thing come out. Um, that's why the disciples were fearful when they saw the storm and the Lord told them to go out on the storm. They didn't want to go out there. They were always fearful of the water. They felt like that's where Satan was cast. And uh, he wasn't on land, but he was in the depth of water. And so they did not want to go out there. So it is believed that it is in the water area that Satan was cast onto the earth. And the Bible tells us that Satan is known as the prince of this world. So this world is Satan's. I mean, even to the point that I believe that God is going to destroy and make a new heaven and new earth once he, uh, maybe, he'll just let, maybe he'll just let Satan keep his old world. Praise God, that's your permanent place in hell, and I'll make a new heaven and new earth. I don't know. Praise God. But we know in Revelations 12 and 10, that it calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. You know that Satan was found in Job whenever he came and he accused, or he told God about Job. God mentioned about Job, and Satan's like, yeah, I know about Job. Uh, but when he came to him, uh, he asked him in Job 1 and 7, and the Lord said unto Satan, which comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, <clears throat> and from walking up and down in it. Now that, in the Hebrew, <clears throat> going to and fro in the earth, um, that means that he was surveying the earth. He was walking up and down in the earth, and he was uh, um, checking everything out. Now, Satan is not like God. Satan is an omnipresent. Satan is bound to a certain area like we are. And his imps are. If you think Satan's getting you or bothering you, I got news for you. He ain't bothering you. There's somebody more important than me that he's bothering. But there is the imps that's there or the fallen spirits that are there. And they're to and fro and they're watching the earth. And they're following the earth. Praise God. And the Bible says that he said they were going to and fro from the earth. Um, So he was observing the world. And we know in Revelations 12 and 10 that he calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. 
In other words, amen, Satan is out to destroy you. I can't fathom why Satan can think that he can overcome God. After all these years, you think he would learn that he could not overcome God. I don't think that's why Satan is still going at it. I think he's trying to take everyone he can with him to hell. He's trying his best to destroy. Jesus told him, he said, he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Praise God. And so Satan is doing his best to try to destroy things. But we can see the character of him. We can understand from his fall. We can understand from Adam and Eve's fall. And we can understand Christ in the wilderness. We can see the characteristics of Satan and how he operates. And it's amazing to me that he operates the same all down through history. Praise God. It may be by a different face or a different God, but it is the same characteristics that's coming out. Praise the Lord. Now, Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 and 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, and against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, We, as Brother Corsi did a wonderful job that one time, talked about how you you have to overcome the spiritual part of that, of your town before the physical will follow. Because the effects of the Satan in this town is affecting our people. And it's causing them not to want to live for the Lord. But whenever you overcome that, that's why we pray and we fast. And, and I'll just be real honest with you as a man that is just weary of fighting with uh, you know, the, the, the spiritual things. You can only do what you can do. You can only do what you can do. God only requires you to do what you can do. And so don't be weary in well-doing. Just keep praying. Just keep talking to the Lord. Just keep fasting. I promise you, it's going to come around. There's going to be a, there's going to be a much better spiritual... You see, once again, I said it before. God allows people to get in positions that are not good. And the reason he does that is he wants people to be sickened by him. Now, I do need to tell you this, and that is, amen, they came out with a book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord Comes in 1988. Y'all, how many remember that book? Yeah, anybody got that book? I can't find mine. You still got it? If you ever find it, don't throw it away. If you're going to throw it away, give it to me. Because I want to hold on to it for reference point. 88 Reasons Why the Lord's Coming in 1880. I didn't buy one of them, and I never handed one of them out. Because all down through the period of time, in every era, people can say, oh, this is the rapture generation. This is the rapture generation. I mean, I've read about 
them doing it in the 1900s. I read about it, them doing it in the 1800s. And them people thought they was in the rapture generation. Now, I will say that as a nation, as far advanced as we are with our technology, it has been different than any other time period. But, I mean, with our technology, the Bible says in the last days that wisdom will be increased. And we are, we are increasing our wisdom by the thousands every year. I mean, it's just beyond our, you know. So there are things that are happening now that didn't happen in that time period. I don't know when the rapture is going to take place. It may take place and I come out of a grave. It may take place and I come off this, come off this feet. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I do know one thing. I'm going to live for God, love him, do whatever I need to do until it happens. Amen. Praise God. And so, amen. Um, yeah, and so, but we have to realize that all along, down through, through the period of time, there have been times of great revival with nations, and there have been times when Satan has really had his teeth in the people. And so, uh, but there is, and we're going to talk about it later, there is a general slide that comes. And, oh, you'll be surprised how it comes in. And you'll see it, even in our time period. I will say this. We cannot look at the young people and say, these young people are a mess. This world is a mess because I'm going to show you how we started to become a mess within the last hundred years. If your main time period was the 1960s, we were the ones that allowed prayer to get out of the school. So we can't look at the young people and say, oh, these people of this day, is, they're a mess. Because we were a mess too. Uh, just a different way. Satan has had his grips on his people. He's just changed the storefront. Praise God. And so, amen. We have to remember, amen, that. 1 John 2 and 16 tells me, it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but of this world. So there's three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The Bible says that's all that's in the world. You can classify anything else in that. And so when Satan came by the serpent to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, we learned that first of all, Satan questions Eve. Did God say you aren't to eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden? Praise the Lord. And that was the first thing that Satan did when he fell. Is God really God? Is he really God and should be worshipped or should I be worshipped? And it's the thing that we're going to talk about that's happening down through the period of time. Is God really God? Should we allow prayer in schools? Let's take it out of the schools. 
Praise God. And then he talks, it's the lust of the flesh. Praise God. The first question that God asked is, amen, is God, I mean, that Satan asked was, he asked, is God really truthful? Is it true? Today, the Bible tells us, buy the truth and sell it not. And today, he, man, people argue about the Bible. Well, it's not true. It was written some, what, 4,000, 2,000 years ago? It's been translated in several languages. It's not really true. I had Bible teachers in uh, schools, Christian schools, tell the students, Bible Christian schools, Tell the students that the Bible had mistakes in it. Praise the Lord. And that's what Satan did with Eve. You know, is it really true you can't eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden? Second of all, he questions God on looking for their best. God really don't want you to have the best. Oh, you ready for the punchline? How many times have you wondered, is God really looking out for my welfare if I'm going through this? You see, I'm talking 6,000 years from the fall of Adam, and we're still dealing with the same concepts. Is God really looking out for your best Eve? That's the knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't want you to be smarter than him. You overcome him. How many professors today think they're smarter than God? Smarter than God. I told you one time, the more smarter I get, the more dumber I realize I am. Praise God. I think it's the only thing that keeps my head on. I know how dumb I am. Praise God. And then he questions God on being God. Is God really God? Praise the Lord. In Genesis chapter 3, let's look at it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God doth know in the day ye eat thereof that your eyes will be opened, and ye shall be gods, knowing good and evil. Praise God. Remember, he said, remember how Satan fell? You'll be like God. Satan's like, I'm God. You'll be like God. You know what happens when a person does not follow God, live for God, walk with God, praise God, and and love God? They become God. Their own God. They rebel against God. Genesis 3 and 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that was the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, And that the tree was desired to make one wise. That was the pride of life. She took the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. Praise God. And so we see that how the same principles that happened in heaven when the angels was cast out are the same principles that happened, praise God, on the earth. 4,000 years later, after, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, 
Jesus in the wilderness. It says, when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God. He's questioning. If you're really the son of God. How many times have you ever wondered, is it really a good thing to be a Christian? Is all the things that I'm putting away, is me being faithful to my mate, is me being dedicated to church, is it me putting God first, is all this going to pay off, or am I going to find myself in the same shape as everyone else? Am I sacrificing all this? That's what, the de- that's what God's pinging us today. And that's what he pinged with God, with Jesus. Praise God. He saw that he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He said, ain't no problem. Just turn these stones into bread. He hid him on the lust of the flesh. Praise God. Turn the stones into bread. We're out here in the middle of nowhere. Nobody will see you. They'll never know what you've done. You know how to know a good person. You know how to find the character of a person. It's what that person does when nobody's around. Just do it, Jesus. Nobody will know. And verse 5 says, And the devil taketh him up into a holy city, and he sitteth him on a pinnacle of a temple. And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God... Cast thyself down. What's going to happen? The, the Lord is going to, you know, uh, the Jesus wanted to save all the lost souls. He wanted the acceptance. He wanted them to accept him so he could give them the word. He wanted them to accept them so that he could minister to them. He wanted them to accept him. What greater thing than to cast himself off and the angels to grab him So that his earthly body does not fall 50, 60 feet from the top of that pinnacle of that temple and hit the ground. And the angels grab him and they lower him to the ground. And the scribes and the Pharisees all standing around the door of the temple watches as angels deliver Jesus. Great. That's a great thing, isn't it? Praise the Lord. That'll work, don't you think? Praise God. Amen. And, but it's not going to work for the Lord. The pride of life. And again, the devil taketh him up into exceedingly high mountain, and he showeth them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. <clears throat> and he saith unto them, him, all these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. The lust of the eyes. He showed it to him. And he said, if you just fall down and worship me. That's what Satan wanted God to do. Was to fall down and worship him. See? Satan's got a character. And if you watch in your world today, you'll start seeing the character come out in situations. Praise God. You'll start seeing that character come out in governments and things of that sort. Now, I, I do need to make a clause here today. I do not like big-eyed people. Did you know that God, did you know that the Antichrist, did you know that God set my bush on fire? 
you know, the big-eyed people. I think we need to be sensible about it. You know what I'm saying today? I call them the big-eyed people. Did you know? That's why I try to stay away from a lot of this, because they just irritate me, them big-eyed people. Praise the Lord. But here's the thing. you got to understand that God knows about it. God's going to take care of it. And we just need to understand and move on. Praise God. But the very same thing that Satan dealt with in heaven that got him cast out, I will extend myself above the earth. I, I will do this. I will do that. The same thing he played on Adam and Eve and the same thing that Christ had to overcome to bring salvation back to humanity. You see, when Satan knew that God was going to deliver Egypt, he knew that the prophecies in Egypt said that I will deliver thee in 400 years. When Satan knew that, Satan moved in on Pharaoh and he made him so insecure that Pharaoh began to kill all of the children boys. Because he knew. If you watch, Satan is the God of this world. You know, I've told myself, I'm not going to be successful in this world because Satan, this is Satan's world. Um, somebody recommended me a book. It was called The 49 Laws of Power. I read the book. I started to read the book, and it was 49, and it did not have much uh, Christian principles in it. And when I started to read it, I just shut the book up and I put it up. And I said, I'm not reading that. Those are principles that I'm not going to abide by. But then the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, yeah, that might be true. But you need to know they exist. And so I, I hope I have enough morals that I'll never break down for those. But I did read the book. And although I am not what you call extremely successful in the world, I understand why. Because this world, to be successful in it, you have to play by the devil's rules. Because it is the devil's world. Amen. Now, God is the ultimate success. He will help you to be extremely successful. But Satan... You know, I'm telling you what, I would be dirt poor rather than to do something I shouldn't. But Satan knew that the Egyptians was going to, the Israelites was going to be delivered. And so Satan worked at Pharaoh and caused him to be so insecure about the Israelites that he began to kill the children then. And that is the way Satan tried to hamper. Satan is constantly trying to stop everything he can. If you try to live for the Lord, Satan's going to come and, not Satan himself, but the, 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 the devil world is going to come and he's going to try to stop you to live for the Lord. Praise God. He don't want you going to church. He don't want you living for God. He'll, make you, he'll, he'll, he'll give you a shot of extra tiredness on Wednesday night. I know, because I get it every Wednesday night. 
He will, he will cause somebody to come knock on your door and want to visit you on Bible nights. You can feel good all week long. It's amazing how someone's so sick they can't make it to church, but the next day they feel so much better. Praise God. And I, it's not down on them. It's just Satan doing that. It's just the devil's doing that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, wickedness, and high places. Satan does not want us to do well. God is going to take care of us. God's going to make sure we get what we want. God's going to make sure that we will not have more put on us than we can bear. Praise God. But Satan caused Pharaoh to feel his insecurity. Amen. And that's why, amen, he did what he did in Egypt's day. When the signs came about the birth of Christ, praise God, Satan got Herod so scared that he caused Herod to want to kill all the male children because Satan knew there was a birth of a Savior. He didn't understand what was happening. Satan is not all-knowing. He doesn't know all things. But he knew there was a birth of a child and that it was the Savior. He, and and he was, he, some of his imps were there when uh, you know the, 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 the Lord came to the shepherds and said, they were putting all this together and saying, we've got to do something about this. What are we going to do? Well, I'm going to make Herod so scared that Herod will kill all the male childs. We'll get him. Praise the Lord. So Satan is trying his best. He, and so uh, he's trying his best. And so I'm going to stop there because my time's up. Praise the Lord. And so uh, we're going to go on later. Amen. And uh, uh, pray for me on this one because, man, this takes a lot of hours of work. <laughs> I, I just wish I was one of those guys that could just put it together real fast like some of our ministers here, but not me. Let's all stand. Praise God. The Lord is good, isn't he? Aren't you glad you're on the Lord's side? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Lord, I love you. I praise you, Jesus. Touch, Lord, and to move. Let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. God, let us live for you, walk for you. And, Lord, we're going to give you all the praise and glory and honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?